Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Drought and Pasture Lease Considerations. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the co-authors, Ben Beckman, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator, as well as Jim Jansen, who's a University of Nebraska-Lincoln Agricultural Economist. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here, Aaron. Well, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early September, and unfortunately, we're dealing with drought conditions, especially in the eastern third and western third of the state. This has impacted forage production on range and pasture and has resulted in situations where specifically those folks who are renting grass are maybe out of pasture and are needing to take those cows home or remove cattle early. Give some perspective on some things that both landlords and tenants, those who are leasing the pasture, should think about in these kind of scenarios, and maybe some things that be, should be put in writing as they think about pasture leases in the future to help them navigate and negotiate situations like this. One of the first things I think we have to look at when we are facing a drought situation, Aaron, is what the impacts of that are going to be across a whole variety of different factors. Uh, we're looking at the stress that that's putting on the pasture, the plants in the pasture, uh, possibly even, you know, if things get really bad, the, the soils in the pasture, and those are going to be really long-term impacts. Uh, if we push that too hard, that could affect production in that pasture for multiple years to come. Uh, we're also, you know, don't want to be shorting our animals and, and causing them undue stress. Um, we're also looking at the value of that ground, uh, if, especially we're leasing it like we're discussing right now. Um, we've put some sort of price on how much that ground is worth and, and we don't want to be disrupting that monetary balance that we've decided upon between a landlord and a tenant. And so when we get into this situation where mother nature kind of upsets the apple cart and we have to start reassessing that value that we put on things, the, the different stress levels on our animals and in our pasture, um, we really almost have to go back into negotiation and, and look at what's all going on and what we can do to prevent that long-term damage, um, but also mitigate the, the short-term impacts. And that's kind of what we tried to address in this article. Yeah, and I, I would agree with Ben's comments. There's, and I'm not a trained range scientist like Ben is, but the main thing is is there's things that can be done to the land that can enhance it. And there's periods when we have stress on the property, that, such as drought, that can cause reverberating effects into future years. The, the ecosystem of a pasture or rangeland is very sensitive, especially those in the more arid areas of the state to begin with. And overgrazing can cause some concerns. And one uh, contribution I made to the article is uh, on the type of lease arrangements we have, there's really two types that an individual might lease a property on. Um, when it comes to it, you could either have a verbal lease or a handshake uh, lease agreement or a written lease. Now a good written lease, we hopefully would have some kind of concern addressed in there related to drought, what happens, what happens to the rental payment, what happens, to, uh, what are the steps for removing of cattle or how much of the property can be grazed down to, things of that nature. But uh, some of the issues that we do see that may arise occur when we do not have a clause in the lease, especially under 
verbal leases or written leases, I think most tend to address some most of the major concerns that we see around lease arrangements, but especially in verbal leases, uh, in recent years, in a large majority of the state, we've had fairly favorable rainfalls, and we may have not thought of drought like we had to in 2012, which is, I guess, eight years ago now. And uh, when it comes to a verbal lease, and if there's not a specific provision in there, uh, Ben and I would both encourage the party to come up with a mutually agreed upon solution. But um, if there is not any clause specifically addressing tenants removing cattle or anything of that nature, that's when you have to hire a legal professional, regardless of your landlord or tenant, to help you get some of these things sorted out. And we really hope that you wouldn't have to go to that point, but there may be some form of legal recourse that could force one party over the other. If one party may not be willing to remove the cattle or if the cattle were removed, adjusting the final rental rate, some of these things, and that we'd encourage you to seek out legal assistance. Uh, the example I give that some folks might relate to a little bit more is when you rent a house, for example, or an apartment, you're hopefully maintaining that property in the best state possible and if, as a renter. And if something would happen, you'd hopefully notify the landlord to minimize the damages. And it's a similar thing when it comes to uh, renting of grazing land or rangeland. We want to leave it in the best condition that we can because, as Ben mentioned when we started the interview, uh, there's a lot of things that can happen to the property that may um, degrade it or uh, hinder some of the benefits that we could achieve with it if it'd be managed elsewhere. you have uh, more to add to that, Ben? I'd just say uh, as well that you pointed out there, Jim, that communication is really important. Uh, I've been involved in certain situations sometimes where uh, it's just a miscommunication issue where the landlord, you know, may be removed from agriculture for a number of years and they don't believe that the tenants managing it correctly, that they're overgrazing. Um, they just, you know, don't have that experience. And, and when they actually get out there with the tenant, uh, you know, I think that's a great opportunity to, you know, do a ride along or do something and explain how things are being managed, um, how we're making those decisions in drought. Uh, you know, they're okay with it and they can figure out, okay, we might be able to pull off a few weeks early or a month early and, you know, have that negotiation, have that discussion. A lot of times if we can have that communication, um, that's really going to set us up and, and, you know, we're going to have to make some adjustments when we have drought. Uh, both parties don't want to damage the land, don't want to damage the, the animals and usually want to make that a, a, good lease agreement that they can go back to in, you know, the next year and the, the year after that. Talk a little bit about some of the programs that are available to help mitigate a situation like this. And I'm thinking in particular here, pasture range and forage insurance, and also the livestock forage disaster program. What are some things that both landlords and tenants need to be aware of to maybe help them manage situations like this that can provide some assistance to dealing with this when drought occurs? Yeah, so when, uh, as an agricultural operator, when we think about the Farm Service Agency or the FSA, we maybe tend to think of them with respects to different commodity safety net provisions for primarily crops, but they also do have financial disaster assistance programs and possibly even cost share, and the cost share might maybe be coming from across the hall, the Natural Resource Conservation Service. 
But uh, on the topic of drought, drought mitigation, and lease design, the FSA is a um, provider that could provide some financial assistance. The Livestock Forage Disaster Program is a program that pays out financial assistance to livestock producers, livestock operators that are renting or own grazing land. And after drought has been in a certain, according to the National Drought Monitor, after a property has been in a certain classification for a period of time, uh, financial assistance begins being paid out. We've seen a lot of the payments made under that program or financial assistance paid out in roughly in 2012, 13, and even into 2014 in certain areas of the state. Now on the topic of lease design, if we do remove livestock, we need to visit with the Farm Service Agency to make sure the decisions or adjustments that we're making as part of the lease arrangement are in compliance with what is required for that program. The pullout provisions, it's not, they're not saying you can't remove the livestock, but uh, there has to be a certain, uh, certain requirements met. And I, my best suggestion after interviewing a Farm Service Agency director, they said, even before your lease starts, strongly considered or urged uh, folks to bring in a copy of their lease that they're thinking about signing. And hopefully you're going to have that in writing. And uh, they could take a look at it and see if the pullout clause, uh, removal of livestock due to drought, is in compliance with that. And uh, the other tool that's available is called the Pasture Range and Forage Insurance. It goes by the acronym PRF. And with PRF, it's a federally subsidized grazing land insurance policy. It's based off of rainfall information collected from different sites or monitoring stations across the state. The deadline, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's going to be the middle of November, roughly. So this is the time now, if you're going to consider this, you want to visit with an insurance agent that sells that type of product. And uh, that, that insurance program pays out according to uh, what period of time you have insurance coverage as part of the policy. And once again, if you are removing livestock, you need to visit with your insurance agent as well to make sure you're uh, following appropriate management practices so you're in compliance with that program as well. But there are insurance tools or farm service agency programs out there that folks may not think about, but uh, there are a host of tools available to livestock as well as crop producers in the event of you know, unforeseen events that we may not anticipate otherwise. Anything else you guys would like to highlight on this topic as we point towards wrapping this up? I think, Aaron, just a, a, some things to keep in mind are that anytime that we can plan ahead, it's going to be more beneficial. Um, drought's a stressful time for everybody involved. So if we can get that lease clause in and, and have some idea of how to go about this decision-making process, that's always going to make this time period when we have to make those hard decisions a lot easier. Um, you can go to some great resources. Uh, AgLease101.org has a lot of example leases um, that have some disaster clauses, drought clauses in them. Uh, if you don't already have something set up that you can utilize for free. Um, and it's always just good to know what's going on with your ground. Having open conversation with your tenant if you're the landlord or um, vice versa. You know, if the tenant's seeing dry conditions and we're starting to get concerned, you know, bringing that up, like Jim mentioned before, um, and utilizing some of the tools that are available, you know, our, our drought monitor, um, if you just 
Google drought monitor uh, online that'll pull up the um, website and show the map of Nebraska where we're experiencing drought conditions. Um, you can also look at a resource called Veggie Dry. It's V-E-G-D-R-I.unl.edu um, that just kind of highlights what we're looking at in terms of uh, vegetation distress from, from dry conditions. The only other comment I'd make beyond what Ben did, there are certain, uh, it's getting a little late towards the end of the season here to cut um, conservation reserve program makers, but there are certain areas of the state that have released um, properties in the county that are uh, eligible to be cut under the emergency livestock cane or grazing. Uh, if you do uh, have a property or if you had have someone that maybe be willing to sublease that property to you, the discount is quite um, nominal for emergency haying and grazing. And folks may be able to uh, acquire additional forage resources, whether for grazing livestock or you know, cutting and baling the hay off that property. So that's something that folks might want to take a look at. Well, thanks again for joining me today, guys. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having us. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. Again, the title of the article is Drought and Pasture Lease Considerations.